You know, um, <clears throat> growing through adversity is something that I've been thinking about now for a number of months, really, almost over a year. I was looking forward to this series. Now, I don't know how your week went. Um, you know, one of the things that we've been trying to do, I think you're aware of it, is we've been including this, this daily prayer. And the daily prayer is something we've encouraged everyone to just be, be able to pray at different times during the week, hopefully daily, but at other times. It's also on the mobile app. If you haven't downloaded it, instead of doing that, you take it with you wherever you go. But the daily prayer is designed to couple with the message so that it sort of lingers through the week. And then oh, something else you may not be aware of, on Thursdays, one of our pastors, Pastor Paul, also shares a devotional that's connected to the message that has been and is preparing us for the message that's coming. And that gets posted on uh, the Cornerstone SF Facebook. But also, um, you, you, if you get the e-newsletter e that's sent out, you can sign up for that. It's pretty easy to get. You can e very easily get that rolled over to you and go directly to it that way as well. These are just like value ads that are designed to get us moving in, in the right direction together. But I, like I said, I don't know how your week went. Um, I had a rough week, just to be brutally honest. It was a high-stress week. Um, it started, actually, if I go all the way back to last weekend, which is kind of how I start my week, typically. Um, man, I had all this. That was the first weekend of kicking off the Growing Through Adversity series. I had prepared for it. I was excited about it, looking forward to sharing. I had some things I wanted to just lay out there. And then, I, I, I mean, who could have envisioned that this would have been the worst storm weekend in like 10 years in San Francisco. It was, the, it was not the way to launch things. It was, in fact, we were getting calls from people, uh, you know, that there was, it was, obviously there was the rain and the wind, which is intense just in driving conditions, but people were getting their, you know, garages flooded. We were having trees falling down. A lot of people, let's put it this way, live stream was never more popular for us than last weekend. And so when we, when, when, and, and you know, I was kind of like going, oh Lord, I mean, why, why did this have to happen? And then I remember one of the services, um, we actually had a, a surge, a power surge and a, and a slight brownout, and all of our electrical went out. Yeah, like a couple of minutes before service. And we, we were going, okay, uh-oh, okay, what do we do now? Because well, um, that meant a lot of things had to get reset. We were like looking for the candles, right? And acoustic and me speaking really loud, right? That was the, the backup plan. And, uh, you know, so, but we got through that, and then I do remember one of the messages, I can't remember what service it was, I was here, I was sharing, and all of a sudden, it was so windy, the, the church doors blew open, and then something that I've never seen happen before, the, the sanctuary doors blew open with wind, not a lot of people could see it, but I could see it, and I thought to myself, that's either the greatest storm wind we've ever seen, or God is moving in this place. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, I mean, I, I was, it was the weekend, but anyway, by the time I was done, I was going, oh, I wish, I wish, that's not how I wanted it to start, you know? I was wanting it to be able to start differently, more like this weekend. And um, so I, I, went, I went back home, I was thinking about that, and then I also had a lot of things on my mind. You know, I was praying, just praying about the direction of the church coming into the new year. We had meetings, different meetings, and different meetings that I had with different individuals. And there were some unique challenges and situations that were facing that were requiring me to be on my leadership game. And choices that needed to be made, staff issues, budget issues, a personal issue that I had that I was dealing with. And I was, I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but something comes up and you're dealing with it. It might be a people issue or someone that you're, I don't know, just some situation you find yourself in. And by the time you're done with some kind of an interaction, it could be at work or something, it could be personal friendship, or it could be your own family, 
But by the time you get done with it, it's been going on for a while and you have this exchange. And by the time you're done with it, you're going, man, I just didn't like, I didn't like how I was in that. You get away from it for a moment and you go, I did, not only did I not like how that went down, but I, I feel like I handled it wrong. I feel like what I'm communicating is very double-minded. I'm being very double-minded. I wasn't happy with my, the bottom line is on top, I coming off the weekend, then I, I wasn't happy with myself. There were certain things I wasn't handling well. I felt, I felt emotionally, I wasn't well, I wasn't positioning myself, I wasn't, I wasn't pleased. In fact, I, then I got bothered that it was bothering me. Right, so on top of it, so I'm thinking about that, and then I, and then, and so there's a week's going on. Then I have another couple of meetings with some people, different people, different individuals, and and uh, in the church, and uh, some of the, a couple of those conversations were particularly disappointing to me, and I I started to find myself feeling anxious. I mean, I was feeling anxious, and then I started noticing something else. I was noticing I'm getting a little cynical right now, and then I started noticing something else, like. I started saying to myself, you know, you really can't trust people. And I thought, and then you know what, I, then I started feeling sorry for myself. And then I thought, you know what? <laughs> I'm never going to preach on adversity ever again. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Because that's what happens. Like, you do it, and then next thing you know, you're in it. And so, so forget that. That's not happening again. But I reminded myself, look, I've walked through way worse. I can go through this. God's, God's helped me. This is, this. I told myself, you know what I told myself? I don't know if this will help anybody. I said, I need to find my stance, my mental, emotional, but really my spiritual stance in this situation. Like, Lord, show me what's my position that I need to take to move through this, right? Because there's a way for you want me to be here, mentally, emotionally, Spiritually, I need to position myself. I need to figure out how I'm supposed to be here. And I was wrestling with this. This was in my mind. I, was, I went to sleep. I remember going to sleep one night this week, and I was thinking about, Lord, I, I know, I, know I, need to get the, I need to get myself positioned better here because I'm not liking what's in me right now, off, coming off of this. And so I went to bed, and we got up, now we get up pretty early because my wife, some of you know, she oversees the women's ministry with the great team. But... And they're the ones sponsoring the coffee talk that's coming. But they, Cheryl, my wife, also has started this, uh, a number of small groups under the umbrella of this ministry they call High Five. And the High Five ministry is a pretty cool ministry because what they do is they all get up. This is, her group is all women. And they get up at, they check in at 5 a.m. in the morning. And they all check in to say, I'm, I'm getting ready to start my day and doing my devotions at the beginning of this day. And, you know, I know, you know, I know not everyone even knows what a devotional, devotions are, but devotions are, you know, the time that you carve out at the beginning of the day, typically, not always, but it's a time, a space you make to be able to read your scriptures, pray, think, reflect. Um, in, in my case, a lot of times I will, I will do some journaling as well. I have a devotional, which is typically a reading. Um, we have booklets called Daily Breads, but I have, there are a lot of different types of devotionals. Sometimes they have a reading for the day and a prayer that you just, in a, in a little piece of scripture that you look at, and you kind of put that together, and it creates a, a way of approaching the day, approaching the morning. And it's always a new thought that you're exploring, a new passage. So I wake up that morning coming with all these things on my mind. I'm going to join Cheryl um, in her early morning devotional. We're in the same room. We're, we're focusing on different things, but we're together. And I open my devotional. I start, you know, this is, remember, my mentality, where I'm at. I start reading. And uh, I, as I'm moving through it, I notice this, this entry that I'm reading is talking about 
a, a figure in the scripture named Lazarus. Lazarus is the one person that is, Jesus is recorded as raising from the dead. And the writer is, talks about, he, he quotes what Jesus says after he raises Lazarus. And he says, Jesus said, unbind him, right? And let him go. And then the commentator started talking about, which was interesting, he says, let me talk to you about the things that bind us. And he starts talking about things like fear and anxiety, the things that bind us up. And he says, you know, and he started talking about how God, he started writing about how God wants us to unbind ourselves from tomorrow's troubles, right, and loose us for today. And that was just me coming right off of my little mental wrestling match, feeling sorry for myself. Anxious about how I'm going to, now what do I need to do? And all of a sudden I'm reading this in the morning, right out of the chute. You need to unbind yourself and loose yourself. Get rid of tomorrow's troubles, loose yourself for today. And then he wrote this, and I want to share it with you. Because I thought it was so cool. It was simple, but it helped me. The load of tomorrow added to that of yesterday, carried today, makes the strongest falter. The, think about that. The load of tomorrow added to the load of yesterday. Carry today makes the strongest falter. Now, a lot of us can borrow stuff from yesterday. We can't always get rid of that stuff. And we can talk about the Lord helping us to let go of something. But some stuff we just carry with us. Here's the thing. But when you add on top of yesterday's stuff, and I mean the past, and then we start borrowing from tomorrow's trouble, now, all of a sudden, we're piling on ourselves a load that is going to really, I think, affect today in a very unhelpful way. You're going to feel heavy fast, and you're going to start to buckle under that weight because we're not meant to carry that weight. Not like, look, it's one thing about being smart. I'm not saying we don't think about tomorrow. We don't make plans. But here's the thing. We are not to let that weight sort of like just sit on us. And that was what I was wrestling with. And that word, you know, loose him and let him go. It's like, let, don't carry that thing into what you don't even know what's going to happen. And then it started getting, and then I remember what Jesus said. What did he say? Matthew 6, 34, we'll put that up there. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Why? Because tomorrow's going to worry about itself. Yes, absolutely. You know, sufficient today is its own trouble. In other words, we have enough issues to focus on today. Let's not start envisioning about tomorrow and all the things we're going to have to... Okay, you know what I, that's what Jesus is telling us. Don't carry tomorrow's load today. Don't do it. Don't go down that road. And it's okay to think and plan, but not to be anxious and locked up over stuff we can't control anyway. There's a great lesson there. I found myself saying, okay, Lord, you're helping me with my position here. Help me now. Help me now. And then I, I just wrote these words down. This is, what I, this is how I did it. In my situation that I was walking through this week, here are the words that I just wrote down. Be, be diligent. Stay prayerful. And I incorporated part of it. Do the right thing as God defines it. And leave the results to God. Be diligent. Be prayerful. Do the right thing. That means attitudinally position myself properly. Properly. With your word. I'm lining myself up with your word, Lord, for the grace to come. I attitudinally position myself. Do the right thing. Do, correct my attitude. I can't correct anybody else's, but I can own my attitude. I line my attitude up with your words, 
And then I say, Lord, I trust you with the results that I can't control anyway, but I believe you're going to do something good. Now, that is a, is a way of approaching something. The, the, the right thing has a lot to do, again, with attitude and positioning. Now, staying grateful, staying optimistic. I know perhaps, okay, perhaps your ear, like mine, did not start entirely as you were hoping. I don't know. I know that this time of the year, a lot of times people are saying, you've got to get excited for the new year. And I, and I usually am excited about the new year because it feels like a new opportunity. But, you know, coming off the holidays, coming off gatherings, heading back into work, um, we have relational things that sometimes are, get hit inside of our you know, lives. Our, our world is sometimes not always. Some of us came into this year, and it was not so simple. It was not so easy. It was not the way we were hoping. Some of us are facing, I know this for a fact, some of us are facing some tough things. Some of us have issues that we're having to deal with, financial issues. That's not everybody does, but some of us do. We made bad choices, or we've got ourselves in over our head. It feels like it's just sitting on us. We're having a hard time even honoring God with, with our resources and being a blesser of others because we feel hamstrung fiscally. Some of us have health issues. It's easy to talk about being joyful, but when, you're, when you feel like you're, you're really having a hard time and people maybe don't understand that, but it's, you're, you're struggling with some health issue or it might be a relational issue that is just relentlessly hitting you. Those are hard things when people have feelings and you feel like there's such pain here and tension and misunderstanding and, and, and there's all these different emotions and we feel like things are sometimes are breaking down or things have broken down or there's walls that are coming up and we... We just feel the pressure of those relational challenges, that adversity sitting on us like a weight. And as I thought about this, I thought, and there are others, and I've talked to some of you, where in your most private moments, I know this, and I know you love the Lord, but some of you feel very sad. And there are these times where when you're alone, you just feel this dark cloud coming. And it's like it just wants to sit over, your, over you and just define you. It kind of hovering, that old familiar friend. Remember the iconic Simon and Garfunkel song, Sound of Silence, where he opens up that song with, Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk to you again because of uh, what a, a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping. Right? We feel those things. Perhaps some of us are still hurting from choices we made. We bear the, the brunt of the choice we made. Sometimes it's because we were affected by choices other people made and they should have loved us better. They should have loved us better. And, and some of us might be wrestling because of that with bitterness or resentment or maybe a, a low-grade anger that sort of undermines the joyful things in life because it keeps haunting, coming back to us, back around. For others, it's a, for others of us, and I, it might have to do with some of us who are younger. Talk to some of you as well. You might be feeling that angst about the next stage of my life. You know, when do I make this transition? Am I making the right choices? Should I go out? Should I take on more responsibility? How do I do it? Can I do it? Will I do it well? Am I falling behind? Is there a pattern that I'm supposed to be moving in? And now what's happening? All that stuff, right? It starts to build up when we're, when we're younger in our lives, thinking about career pressures and other things start to happen, and we, it affects us. Some of us who are older, we get affected in a different way. And you know what I'm talking about as well, because sometimes getting older feels scary. It's humbling, that's for sure. 
but it can feel scary. That you know what they always say, right? The downside of living long is aging. Hey, that's the deal there. And then, and then, of course, there are others of us who, you know, we see so much stuff on, on social media and television and magazines, and honestly, we're dealing with body image issues. We don't like ourselves the way we look. We constantly have to deal with that, that kind of garbage. And I mean that in the sense of what the culture imposes upon us as if that's what a real, really makes us who we are. Because it isn't in God's eyes. Some of us struggle with addiction and, and, and you know, we do fine for a long stretch and we hit something and then, it, and then it's like that thing starts calling to us, taunting us, just on my trail. You know why this stuff happens is because we're all human. We're human beings. We're flawed. We're broken. What the, that's what the Bible means when it says we're sinful. We're sin-impacted. We, we, we hurt. We can have seasons. Listen, we can have seasons when it's hard. You can love Jesus a lot. And I'm talking to those who are following Jesus at this moment. We can love Jesus a lot and still struggle with things in our lives. Following him doesn't mean the exemption from troubles. It does mean we'll probably have less than we would have had. And we have a resource that is capable of helping us, as we're going to see, in ways that couldn't have happened without him at work in our lives. One thing we know, we will always be a better and more authentic version of who we truly were meant to be with the Lord in our lives. Always. Let's look at the scripture that we covered last week and use it as our jumping, jumping sort of platform. Dear brothers and sisters, James 1, 2 through 4. I'm just going to read this passage through because it just connects us to what we shared last week. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity. What? An opportunity for great joy. Not the troubles are the joy, but the opportunity that is in it has the opportunity for joy. That's the key. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. The growth opportunity. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you're going to be mature and perfect and complete, needing nothing. In other words, you're going to have a kind of solid integrity in, that comes into your life that allows you to negotiate even things that are extraordinarily difficult and survive. And yet God, if God has his best way, actually be able to learn how to flourish. And we're going to explore these principles together. How to do this. How to, how to actually flourish or at least grow through some of the, the harder things in life that hit us. Jumping down into the chapter, verses 12 through 18, I want to move through this fairly rapidly. Blessed is the man, blessed is the one who remains steadfast. Now, it says in your hand in, handout on, the, heart, on the, the print there, it's NLT. It's actually ESV that we're reading out of uh, as a translation. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. That's verse 12. There's a unique blessing attached to enduring. Now, watch what James does next. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. Because God can't be tempted by evil. With evil, no. He's, he's never tempted to do wrong. That's what James is saying. And he himself tempts no one. That's not what he does. He's not trying to get people to do things that are destructive. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by their own desire. Then that desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. And then sin, when it is fully grown, it actually brings death. It always does. Whenever it's allowed to have a place in our lives, it will bring with it death of some kind. So not only is James tracing the downward cycle of sin's impact, but he's underscoring 
This is important. This is really what I want to get to. Do you see what he's doing? He's underscoring God's essential goodness. See, he's, what he's saying is this. God never works against us. He's for us. And there are times when I'm going through the ringer where I remind myself, I know, Lord, even though I, I'm not happy about this situation and, and I know that theoretically you could, you, could, you could work a miracle here, I go, but the odds are um, this is what I have to deal with. And you know what, Lord? I am not pushing you away. I want you as close to me as I can possibly get you. The last thing I want to do is shake my fist at you and say, why God? Because I know you are for me and I know you are good and I know you love me and you gave your only son as living proof. So let me start right there. Because a lot of times, you know, that we, we are capable of doing this. We can, we can start to work. See, we, we can work against ourselves. But God, he's not going to work against us. He is for us. That's what James is saying. Look what he goes. He says, do not be deceived, misled, by my, my beloved brothers and sisters. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, from whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. That is, let us never be mistaken. He is unshakable, unalterable good. He is the giver of light and life. His purpose is clean, uh, consistent, true. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, I know what James is getting at. If you hear me, he's saying, look, no matter what is happening, no matter how hard things get in your life, whether of our own doing or of this world's doing or somebody else has had, a, had an, uh, an effect on, on our situation, he says, never forget God's goodness. Remember his goodness. What he's saying is remember his grace at work in your life. Remember, for those who've received him, his gifts to you. Remember how grateful we should be for the privileged place we have been given. That's what he means by first fruits. It's, it's like he's saying, don't ever forget. He, at a foundational level, remember, he starts by saying, find the opportunity in the adversity. And what he basically then says is, let's then lay the foundation. And the foundation is this. God is good and he is for you and me. So I want to draw near to him, not push him away. He wants to help us, but we have to let him. The, we have to intentionally welcome the Lord into our situations. The great Augustine, the theologian, the thinker, a father in church history, wrote these words. He who created us without our help will not save us without our consent. He who created us without our help will not save us without our consent. Now, he's talking directly about salvation. That is what it means to be made right with God in Christ. That the, one who, the one who created us without our help waits for our consent to save us. We must choose. He won't force his will upon us. Love can't do that and still be love. Love requires free will. Therefore, God says, I will, I will invite you, but I will not make you have me. He, you want to talk about magnanimity? You want to talk about divine humility? How about the creator God who allows himself to be rejectable? That is what God allows himself to do, not only in Christ, but also in relation to ourselves. Anyway, that's a whole nother. We can go down that road and go a long way. But, you, that's, but that same statement that Augustine makes, it can be applied to how we go through adversity. He who made us, right? He who created us, he who starts this without our help 
will not save us without our consent. In other words, for the Lord to be honestly, there are situations where God wants to help us. We have to, we have to consent to let him help. We have to welcome him in. This is huge to me. We need to make God our ally. I always say, you know what? Don't be mad at God. Don't start there. Now, I get it. There are times when we're raw, we're real. You read the Psalms, and they're like honest, gritty. Like, Lord, why are you doing this? Why are you protecting me from my enemies? Lord, where are you? There's a lot of that going on. God's not opposed to us being honest and authentic and real. But what he is, what he is not wanting us to do is start blaming him for stuff like, instead, I'm not going to go, I don't understand. If there's ever a mistake, Lord, it's because, and I'm going to talk a lot more about this. But the, if there is ever a mistake, in fact, I'm going to spend next week just talking about why certain bad things happen. And what the Bible has to say about it. And then create a tool, tool chest for how to deal with some of those things. I mean, I'm going to never say, Lord, I'm going to just say, I know you and I know who you are. And I'm never going to tell you that, uh, that somehow make a judgment on you, even if I don't understand you. I may not understand. The only issue ever around your goodness is I don't understand. That's where I start. I got enough problems. The last one I want to have is pushing you away from me. I don't want that. I want you with me. Be with me, Lord. Help me. Help me. I need your help. And we mentioned last week that the goal of the series, remember we spent a lot of time talking about this, growing through adversity. We said the goal of the series is it could, look, it, it's not just learning how to um, endure. Now, we all could benefit from having that virtue enhanced in our life. There's not a one of us here who could not benefit from, the, from being able to have a better capacity to get through things, right? There's not one of us here who couldn't benefit from learning how to endure. So what I mean by that is, you know, how do we get through a bad situation and not fall apart or not drop back into destructive habit? I mean, how do we do? So there's a real, that's part of, look, there's a legitimate thing to be said about learning how to get past things that are bad. I get that. So one of our, one of our goals, one of the things we'll explore is, okay, how do I become a stronger person in Christ to be able to move through things? But that is not the goal of this series. The goal is not just learning how to endure. That would be, that's a worthy goal. Actually, the goal, the real, the real win is learning how to find not just a capacity to get past something, but how to allow the Lord to work in our lives in such a way that he can take what is bad and turn it into a growing mechanism in our life. How that we become a better formed person by the time we're done in a way that would have never been possible without the adversity. That it becomes simultaneously the thing we can't stand, and at the same time, the thing that God can actually use, if we welcome him into it, to become a growth mechanism that develop, develops us in a way that looks far different, hopefully a much better different, that looks a whole lot more like Jesus. It might have to do with empathy. It might have to do with our compassion. It might have to do with our courage. But the bottom line, it's connecting to something that God wants to do, and he can't usually do it without brokenness. There are some things that require brokenness to get through to us. The, oh, you know, I was thinking about this um, because I remember a couple of months back 
how, I, how God, I was thinking about, you know, Lord, I know you want to shape something in me right now. I know that. I, actually, it was almost over a year ago when I was thinking about this series and, and, and even months before that when I was writing, writing my thoughts down. I was feeling, remember I shared this with you, I was, I was saying, Lord, what is it you're trying to form in me? What are you trying to create in me? What are you trying to write in me? And I remember during a patch where it was incredibly difficult, I actually remember where I was sitting. I was sitting in a, this is not going to surprise a lot of you, I was sitting in a coffee house, right, somewhere, and I was in a corner, and I was writing, and I was writing down my thoughts, and I was involved in what I was, and was actually preparing the material that would ultimately become this series. And I, re I recall that my wife had texted me, and she said, see you when you get home. Are you still planning on getting home at around 5? And then I said, because I was feeling, I was really getting into what was, what was right. I was feeling, the, I was in pain at the time. It was a particularly, I mentioned this, an incredibly difficult uh, season for me. And I wrote back to her. I said, you know, yes, unless I get on a roll. And then the words begin to flow. Then who knows? I might ride this wave into the early evening, right? And then I wrote these words that I want to share with you. Right now, his words are life to me. And it seems that this is not just a message I am writing, but in some strange, mysterious way, he's writing me. And I felt like the Lord was writing things into me, that the words were also part of my story. That there was, and I think there are times where God will do that. Well, God will say, look, I'm, what I'm, I'm writing something new into you. I'm writing something new. I know it's hard. I know it's painful. It's not like God brought it on, but God is using that situation to create an open, openness in us that out of the brokenness flows the possibility. You know, and I'll tell you one thing. I'll be utterly honest with you. When I texted my wife that, I had a tear coming down one of my eyes because I was hurting so much, but I could sense God was working. Now, he'll do that in your life too. I came upon this image of a crucible. Some of you know what that is. You've seen one? This is what a crucible looks like. I think it's a, a crucible is this, mm, it's, a, it's a metal container. And again, this, this container, it can be metal, it can be clay, but a lot of times it's, 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 a, and it's a great analogy because I, I, I was thinking again about how the Lord is constantly trying to take the adversity and create an opportunity out of it. And the crucible is this container where metals or substances are melted and subjected to extraordinarily high temperatures, which I thought, okay, you know, that kind of feels sometimes like what we're in. It's like we're just like in the crucible. But when I looked at the sub-definitions of a crucible, check out what, it show, what shows up. A crucible is a place or an occasion of severe test or trial. That means it's a tough time in our lives. But look at that second definition, a place or a situation in which different elements interact to produce, look at this, something new or different. Whoa, it's like out of that, it's like what we're saying is out of the heat of that adversity, that test, that trial, the goal actually isn't just to get um, you know, a more pure, purified, purified thing. It's, it's even beyond that. There's a, the capacity to create a completely new thing. 
And that's why if we welcome God into our most difficult places or seasons that are challenging us or the pains of life or the hurts of our life, what we find is that if God is welcomed out of that cauldron of that intensity of that, that yes, even suffering at some level, we might call it, that, that out of that, God produces something new. The goal, there it is. That is the goal. Something new that wouldn't have been possible otherwise. Like a totally new thing that God, so the person that comes out, that's you or me, if we let God work into that pain, into that place, into that disappointment, what God can do oftentimes is out of that comes a, 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 like a different type of person. Like a completely new element is developed in our life. A virtue or a, a capacity that wasn't there before. In some cases, it's an empathy or a compassion or, like I mentioned earlier, it could be a, there's a more courageous element to our life or an ability to understand people in a different way. Or oftentimes, it's our ability to understand God and his love for us and what real grace looks like and what his mercy is like. All of a sudden, certain things that we've had, we talked about it, we understand, but we understand it in a very different way. That changes who you become. It has an effect. And that, in turn, ends up affecting other people who are around us. You know, in, in Psalm 1, and, and I'll kind of use this as a closing analogy, but in Psalm 1, because again, if I could put this up, the question that's been dominating this discussion is this, where is the opportunity in the adversity? And that's been the way I've been approaching a lot of things. When, remember I talked about early on, the stance where is the opportunity in the adversity? Psalm 1 in your handout. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is what? In the law of the Lord. And in that law he meditates day and night. He'd be like a tree planted. Look at the imagery. By the rivers of living water that brings forth its fruit in its season. You know, his leaf also is not going to wither. Whatever you do is going to prosper. There's this sense of blessing sitting over it. Okay, quickly, quickly. Seasons. Some seasons, they're great seasons, good seasons. When life is good and adventurous and we're happy, the opportunity there is to stay in love with God. A lot of times I've noticed with people, when they're hurting, they're very open. When things are hard, see in church. All of a sudden, things turn around, got a different job. Found someone new. Where you been? Ah, you know. I don't need God as much. They didn't say that. We don't say that. The opportunity is to retain a love for the Lord. Fruitfulness in the good seasons means being generous and humble and grateful and retain and stay close to God and be happy. But some seasons are not good seasons. They're just what I call neutral seasons. Neutral seasons are those times when life is calm but it's also uneventful. Some of us might be in, in fact, of the three seasons I'm going to mention here as we close, think about which one you're in right now. Someone said to me after service on Saturday, I'm in all three simultaneously. I said, hmm, let me think about that. <laughs> all right? <laughs> he was dead serious. All right. So then neutral. Neutral is those times in life when you're bored. You're stuck. In, you're stuck. Think about being stuck in neutral. <clears throat> Going nowhere. You're muddled in the mundane. Um, bored with him, bored with her, bored with this, bored with work, bored with church, bored with this church, whatever. Bored. 
not inspired, not passionate, same thing over, over. You know what the danger in the neutrals place is? It's because no wind. I'm not getting pummeled, nor am I getting pushed. I'm just stuck right in the middle. It's hard. A lot of times in that place, you know what we want to do? We want to do something, whatever it is. Be careful. Be careful because a lot of times we get reactive, we get restless, and we get foolish in the, in the neutral seasons. The virtues that God oftentimes is trying to develop in us is patience and gratitude. I've noticed that a lot of times in the neutral places, we start devaluing our blessings. We start trading things honestly, treating things that are pearls, that they're not much. We start taking for granted the gifts of God, and we can dump them quickly, but we will live to regret it. The neutral season has its opportunities, and the opportunity there is to learn how to prevail oftentimes to find safe ways that are not destructive or foolish or reckless, to be able to address some of that and position ourselves for when God can begin to create an opening somewhere else. It's okay to struggle. The third season, and the one that brings us full circle, it's the turbulent season, it's the dark season, the tough season. That's the season. Think about turbulence on an airplane where you can get really scared, you can get an adrenaline shot, and if it stays up too, too much turbulence, it gets you really scared. It's white knuckle time. And in that place, the turbulent place, of course, is what? We start to feel like God doesn't love us. We feel abandoned, we feel sad, we begin defined by our problems. We lose our zest, we begin to quit, our faith falters, we can give up. It's so hard. But I want to suggest that there is the opportunity in this season that is unlike any other one. This is the one where it's really found and why James used it. Here's the place where you can get real depth. Here's the place where real formation takes place. Here's the place where dying comes and I live again. It's the place where God does his best work, this place. Now look at the prayer, because that's the opportunity, right? The prayer that we close with, and we'll close this service with, is right here. Father, it's our prayer for the week. Every season of life has its challenges and opportunities, no question. Please help me, help me not to get too comfortable when everything's going well. Also help me in those neutral places, when restless when life is uneventful or overwhelmed when life is hard. Protect me in the crucible so that when I emerge, and I will emerge, and when I do, by your grace, I will be even stronger than I was before. Settle me in the storm. Don't let panic define me. And please show me the opportunity that is there in my adversity. Remind me that I have so much to learn about myself and about you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.